You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey everyone, this week we're giving away a six-month subscription to leadquizzes.com valued at $300. Leadquizzes helps you create interactive lead generation quizzes to help you grow your email list. This is the same software I use to generate over 20,000 leads for my business in 2017. For a chance to win, subscribe to the podcast, then take a snapshot or picture showing your subscribe and text it to 716-218-8981 or email it to growthexperts at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, welcome back everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is AJ Wilcox. He's a LinkedIn ads expert who founded B2Linked.com, which is an ad agency that specializes in account management and consulting with LinkedIn ads. He's a globally recognized as one of the top LinkedIn ad experts. He speaks and trains, presents, and manages advertising campaigns for executives and teams around the world. So we've got a LinkedIn ad expert here. I'm excited. Welcome to the show, AJ. Well, thanks so much, Dennis. I I know you're a a LinkedIn guru, so this is going to be a good conversation. Well, it's really cool because I've done everything as it relates to lead gen on LinkedIn, and I've spoken and I've spent a lot of time there, but LinkedIn ads has never been one of those things that I've focused in on, predominantly because when, when I was running my last company, which was a B2B service company, which would have been a really good business for that, I think it would have been a really good fit for the audience. The challenge was is that the ad platform was really immature, right? And the, the LinkedIn ad platform was really immature. I'm, we're talking about 2008, 9, 10, 11, right? And oh, yeah. So, and so we tried a few ads, but number one, I was not experienced in doing paid ads. Number two, the product was a little bit immature, but a lot of changes have taken place. So now I'm hearing a lot of great things about that. So that's why I was excited to have you on. But before we dive into some of the nuggets, right? Some of the things we're going to leave the audience with today. Tell us a little bit about how you got here and a little bit more about B2 Linked and then we'll dig in. Sure thing. Well, so me personally, I've been doing digital marketing for about the last 12 years and started out as a search engine optimization guy, did a lot of Google AdWords and really like LinkedIn ads was nowhere on my radar. Um, About seven years ago, I got recruited into a local technology company here in Utah, and they were venture-backed and had all kinds of cash. So I went and talked to my boss, the CMO, on my very first day of work. And I laid out all of my plans for all the different types of digital marketing. And she said, okay, all that sounds great. Go ahead and execute. But just so you know, we started a pilot using LinkedIn ads. So see what you can do with it. And me not wanting to look like an idiot to my new boss, I walked out, saluted and said, yes, ma'am, walked out of her office and started diving into the platform. And within about two weeks, one of my sales guys came up to me and said, AJ, we don't know what you're doing over here, but we're loving your leads. We're fighting over them. Keep it up. And so I went and looked in Salesforce at the time to see the leads that this particular rep was dispositioning. And all of them were sourced from LinkedIn ads specifically. And that was not the only channel I was running. So that was the beginning where I said, wow, there might be something more to this channel. Maybe I should continue to, to learn and invest. Fast forward about two and a half years, I left that company to start B2Linked. So we're three and a half years old. 
And LinkedIn ads is all we do. We became official LinkedIn partners a couple of years ago. I think we're the only ad agency to carry that title. So it's been a fun run. Great. So how big is the business? How big is it's B2 linked, right? That's the, that's the name of the business. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. We, we've spent over a hundred million dollars on ads, a small team, but we've built some pretty cool technologies to help us be efficient. So you've managed over a hundred million dollars in ad spend during just the last few years since you've launched. Exactly. Yeah. We've got of LinkedIn's top 10 spending accounts. We've you know actively managed five of them. Wow. So yeah, that definitely qualifies you as an expert. All right. So let's <laughs> dig in. All right. Because I think there's a lot of misconception out there about LinkedIn advertising. And I know that the platform has gotten a lot more robust and a lot better. And so I wanted, if you could, could you dive in a little bit and talk about, you know, I guess the differences in strategy on LinkedIn versus maybe like a Facebook or a Google search type ads. I mean, I have a feeling there's a little bit different. The audience is different. Can you talk to us a little bit about how those different platform strategy, particularly hone in on the LinkedIn piece, if you would? Yeah, I think you're totally correct. I view LinkedIn ads like a sniper rifle, whereas I view Facebook ads like a shotgun. So the difference is that LinkedIn ads are unapologetically expensive. To give you just in very straight terms, kind of an average, the average cost per click on LinkedIn is somewhere between about six and nine dollars per click. And so it makes it, you know, two to eight times more expensive than Facebook in a lot of cases. But what you get for that premium that you're paying is the most amazing business targeting possible. So what I tell people is because it's so expensive on the front end, that's not such a big deal if you're making a big, you know, a lot of money on the back end. So what I tell people is if you're going to make $15,000 or more when you close a deal, LinkedIn ads makes 100%, you know, a perfect sense 100% of the time. Whereas if you're going to make much less than that, then it seems like laying the ground cover with Facebook, even though the targeting is a lot rougher, uh, is probably a better idea. Gotcha. So if the LTV is 15000 or more, then you might want to consider taking a closer look at LinkedIn ads because you can get very targeted and there still can be a good ROI, even though there's such a high cost per click, right? Exactly. Yeah. There are so many companies who are dying to target the right B2B professional. But if you're selling software that you know, you're selling it for, maybe it's SaaS software, 100 bucks a month, there's just no way that you're going to recoup unless you have a 100% close rate. So yeah, call it that 15 grand is a good LTV amount. Gotcha. Okay. So give us an example of maybe something you've done with a recent client where you've been able to either maybe significantly reduce their ad cost and or add to their pipeline or give them a direct ROI and new clients or revenue. Can you package something like that up for us so we can see an example and dig as close into the example as you can, as far as maybe what the campaign looked like, maybe some targeting and, and how it worked out. Perfect. So I'll preface this by talking a little bit about how when someone's on social media, they're not looking to do business with a vendor. And so if you put out an ad that says, here, talk to our high pressure sales rep, no one's clicking that ad, right? Like it's just, it's going to go downhill. So in order to run a really successful campaign on LinkedIn and on most social media, you generally have to have some kind of lead magnet, something where you're providing a lot of value in exchange for their contact information so that you can begin to nurture that relationship and start a conversation. So taking you to this example, there's this company who sells HR software and their goal was to get in with HR reps who were manager and above. They did really well with VPs, really well with managers and you know, kind of everyone in that area. 
So when they came to us, they were spending a significant amount on LinkedIn and they had five different lead magnets that they were running. And none of them looked particularly bad. We didn't see any issues with them. But as we were running ads, you know, for the first two or three months, we were going, wow, is there something we're doing wrong? Because our cost per conversion, our cost per, you know, one of these leads was somewhere around $150. And it was just, it was too expensive. We knew that the client was not going to put up with that for very long. And so we kept trying everything we could with these offers, trying, you know, different imagery and different intros and different descriptions, trying to A-B test the crap out of these. And then one day the client came to us and they said, hey, we've got a new lead magnet. It's called the Definitive Guide to Onboarding. And, you know, check it out, launch some ads, see what happens. And overnight, they dropped from $150 cost per lead down to 23. And all of a sudden, our campaigns just started you know, going crazy. We were able to spend and double, triple their budget without taking a hit on our costs. So if you could imagine you hit $23 cost per lead, and as you scale that up, you keep at $23 per lead. That was pretty sweet and really ended up making a big impact on the company. And this really underlines the impact of how much thought and effort you should put into whatever your lead magnet is. And testing, right? Because ultimately, I mean, you know, that could have just, that whole campaign could have went to the wayside. You could have lost the client, but had you guys not continued to test, 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 and they saw that the reason, you know, you guys were doing a lot of testing. So they decided to add a whole new element on this other side. So it was kind of a collaboration to make that campaign really work, which is awesome. Yeah. And the depth of testing is really important too. Because if your ad agency like us is just doing little ad copy and image testing, they might be able to sway performance by 5 to 15% either way. But something like testing a new offer, even though it's a lot of work internally, made all the difference. So test everywhere. Don't just stop at ad copy. So one of the things that I've read in the last, particularly the last year or so, is that LinkedIn has significantly enhanced their ad platform, particularly as it relates to the ability to target. Can you maybe dive in a little bit and share with us maybe how granular you can get from a targeting perspective or maybe some targeting strategies that people could use, you know, even if they were running their own ad campaigns? I mean, could you dig into that a little bit for us? Because I, you know, I don't know if I'm hearing it wrong, but from what I hear, it's gotten significantly better. No, you're 100% correct here. When LinkedIn, like right from the beginning, when they released their platform, you could target by job title, what department someone sits in, their level of seniority, individual skills they have on their profile, or even groups that they're members of, and industry and company size. It was just a very, very powerful targeting from the get-go. But as of last year, LinkedIn gave us a couple of really cool tools. They gave us what they call matched audiences, and matched audiences has three components. You can target like website retargeting, which we've been able to do with all kinds of different ad platforms for a long time. That wasn't super special. But they came out with email match, which is where you can upload a list of email addresses and either show ads only to those people or exclude those people from your current ad efforts. So that's pretty cool. We've had that with other platforms as well. But the, the third piece that got me really excited, this is called account match. This is where you can upload a list of company names and say, LinkedIn, I only want to show my ads to the right people at this exact list of companies. And so you can now all of a sudden say something like, hey, I want to target just the Fortune 500. And you can do that by grabbing a list of the Fortune 500 and uploading it. So brand new, cool targeting. They keep layering on new stuff all the time. So do you know Sangram Vajray from Terminus? Absolutely. Yeah, good friend. Okay, cool. So because I know those guys are rock stars when it comes to ABM. So I'm, I'm sure that they're 
entrenched in that. I know that that's a big, big part of what they do with their platform. So yeah, that's awesome. I had Sangram on my podcast previously. If somebody wanted to listen to that, I'm not sure the episode number, just type in Sangram in the podcast app. Okay, cool. So as far as targeting goes, as far as a basic strategy, you know, I mean, you hear a lot about how to target on on Facebook, right? Do you have a basic strategy or a framework that you use for targeting on LinkedIn? Because there's so many different variables, right? I mean, you know, I know it really depends upon the, probably upon the audience, right? But invariably, you're probably trying to get it in front of not only a company, but a specific set of individuals within that company. Like you said, eight in that example, HR, you know, decision makers or executives. Is there a way that you go about doing the targeting? I mean, could you hone it down into two or three steps for us so that someone could have some actionable things to take away from this? Yes. And I love this question. Thanks for asking it. When anyone is telling me about who their target audience is, I immediately break them into two pieces. I want to understand, number one, who the professional is. And number two, I want to understand what type of organization they're going to be at. So for instance, if someone comes to me and they say, we target CFOs, I'm going to ask some additional questions because maybe if their software costs a thousand bucks a month and they want to target CFOs, it's not going to be helpful to reach a CFO of a two-person company. So we know immediately based on the cost of their product, we're going to want to cheat in company size upward. So on the professional side, I think of them in terms of their job title, their department and seniority, their skills and seniority, and then groups that they're members of coupled with seniority. And that's four separate ways to target seemingly the same professional. And the reason why that's so valuable is because LinkedIn is really beholden to what is in your profile and what they can figure out about you. And for instance, they only know, they only recognize, I would say, probably 40% of job titles because those job titles, it's a free form field on LinkedIn. We can write whatever we want. And so if you're hoping to reach only by job title, you're going to end up alienating probably 60% of your audience that won't be able to be there. Mm, Yeah. Interesting. And then on that second side, the company, we like to break them down by their industry, by their company size, and even their company name in the ABM example, if it makes sense. Okay, great. So here's a question. This just came to mind because I think I got a message from LinkedIn not long ago about, I guess what they kind of called like a sponsored in-mail where you could actually send a LinkedIn message to a targeted group or a targeted audience. Is that something you have any experience with? Is that something you've dealt with? Is that something that you do? Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, sponsored in-mail are a really interesting ad unit that we kind of recently just got access to. It's been you know probably a year and a half, but they're so different from the rest of the ads that we've always been able to run on LinkedIn because while the other ones you're paying every time someone clicks, for sponsored in-mail, you pay to send it to someone. You pay per recipient. And it's a cheaper price. It's usually like 35 to 80 cents per person who you send it to. But it may seem inexpensive. But once you start breaking down the math there that only about 50% of the people that you send it to are going to open it and only about 10 or 12% are going to click on your offer, unless your offer feels very special, that particular ad unit can get expensive pretty quick. So I recommend starting with sponsored content where you're only paying when someone is exhibiting interest. But in mails, we run a lot of them and they can make a lot of sense in certain circumstances. Do you have an example of one maybe you did with a client or, you know, you don't have to name the client, but do you have an example? I mean, with something like that, it seems like it would be a little bit different than, you know, sponsored content, right? 
How, exactly. how, how do you frame that differently? How do you position that differently to maximize the, you know, obviously the open click and engagement rates with it? Yeah. So we're so used to sponsored content. And so as soon as we got access to sponsored in-mail, we started doing the same types of things like here, click here to sign up for our webinar, click here to get access to this lead magnet. And what we found out very quickly is that when people are being sent a message in their inbox, it feels very much like email and it feels very personal. And so if your offer doesn't feel personal, it just comes across as spam. So we found a few offers to work really well over in-mail. Basically, everything outside of this, we find, gets expensive pretty quick. So if you invite someone to an in-person event, you're kind of stroking their fear of missing out, their FOMO pretty good by saying, there's an event in your area with your peers. And if you don't write it down on your calendar right now, you're going to miss it. So in-mails work really well for in-person events. Okay. They also work really well with job offers, not even straight offers, but getting someone to to apply. So you show an ad that says, you look qualified, we're hiring for this candidate, could we talk? Something like that's going to work really well. And also something else we found is kind of what I would call an ego play. It's a, because of who you are in the industry, we wanted to give you early access to something or a sneak peek of something. Would love to know your thoughts. People really like having their egos stroked like that. Sure. No, that's that's perfect. No, those are great examples. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to get a little bit more micro into your business, right? So I don't want to make any assumptions. I know you've worked with some very large clients. I know you've managed over $100 million in ad spend. But what do you use? What's the number one strategy that you're using today to get clients for your own business? Oh, this is a great question because I don't actually advertise for ourselves. I started advertising beginning of last year saying, you know, I really should be eating my own dog food here. And I, I ran ads long enough to basically say, I can't handle the leads because we, we already have enough coming in organically. So for us personally, even though it sounds like we're not eating our own dog food, I do a lot of YouTube videos. We get a lot of leads from people who reach out and say, hey, I watched your videos on YouTube. Quite a few from things like this where I'm sharing with other people's audiences. So on podcasts, on webinars, you know, we'll get quite a bit of interest there. And I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of speaking at digital marketing shows and summits and, and conferences. And that tends to bring in leads pretty good there. So if you had to pick one, if you only had the bandwidth, resources, and financial wherewithal to do one of those, what would it be if you had to pick one? Ooh, good question. If it's a pure money grab situation, I would say YouTube videos. I would just record video content all day long. But I so love speaking to live audiences and teaching and training. It's such a passion of mine. If it's pure a pure passion play, I'd probably go speaking at conferences. So break down a little bit, if you would, what one of those YouTube videos that performs very well, because it's not just about getting views, right? You could care less whether you get 100 views or 1,000 views or 100,000 views if you're generating leads from it, right? It's really more about the engagement and conversion into leads. So could you share with me maybe an example of what one of those videos would look and feel like and how you go about specifically converting it into a lead? Yeah. Um, I went down to record a video for a friend. He was running a boot camp for uh, online marketers who were just learning. And he said, can you do me a favor? Can you come and record like a, a 10 minute video of you just teaching the basics about LinkedIn ads? And I went, okay, sure. Yeah. Let me spend a little bit of time and come and condescend to that level and, and help you out here. And it was so funny because he recorded this video just for his, his little class of students. And it ended up going viral on, on YouTube. 
And so when whenever anyone is on YouTube and they they type LinkedIn ads or they're looking at anything LinkedIn ads related, my video, the do's and don'ts of LinkedIn ads, inevitably comes up first. And that was nothing that I did on purpose. I don't own the video. It it belongs to to a channel called Market Campus. But I'm I'm sure glad that that happened. So that virality has really helped me out. I think if you're looking for content about LinkedIn ads, you might look at someone else's content, but I'm always going to be there. And so it ends up getting a ton of views. And then I have people who reach out not saying, not treating me like a vendor saying, you know, can you give us a, a proposal? We have people reaching out saying, I loved your video. Can we chat? I think you might be able to help us out. It just changes that conversation so much. So the video isn't doesn't so much have maybe a call to action in it. It's much more educational, but because you've been positioned as that expert, they then maybe go on LinkedIn, look for you, and then send you a message or maybe find your email or whatever, and then message you direct. So it's not really a video to maybe like a lead magnet to a nurturing sequence to a call. It's much more them finding you. There's a squeaky wheel, right? At that point, And then they're reaching out to you and saying, hey, listen, I need to learn more. Exactly. And if you watch to the end of the video, my email address is written on a whiteboard. So I have plenty of people who reach out directly. And then just like you mentioned, I'll have a whole bunch of people reach out either on the website's contact form or over LinkedIn saying, I watched your video. I came and hunted you down. It's really funny because what I like about that, what's really interesting about that is that I like the fact that you put the email address on the board. I wonder how the video would perform from a lead gen perspective if you just made it easy for them to contact you, but you didn't actually ask them to contact you or you didn't really offer a lead magnet. Because, you know, what you find on LinkedIn or on YouTube a lot of times is you'll find everybody, you know, doing a call to action at the end and then trying to convert it into an email so they can nurture it, right? But it's interesting that you took a little bit different tact on that and that it's still performing really well. I mean, that's a much more passive way, but I think some people, particularly in the B2B arena, like to buy that way. They it's that old adage, right? They love to buy, they don't like to be sold. Right. And so Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that there are a lot of marketers who would say, "Wow, AJ's doing it really wrong by being so passive." But truth is, I have enough leads coming in just naturally from all these other sources that I don't ever have to pressure anyone. I can be just very informational. And so I, I hope that's it stays that way forever because boy, do I hate being sold too. And I, I hate the pressure myself and I never want to put that on anyone else. Perfect. All right. So knowing what you, you've had a few years in the seat of you know running this agency, that's high, this high growth agency, knowing what you know now, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? to getting further faster if you had to pick one thing? Whew. You know, we naturally sprinted really quickly to begin with. And I, I say we, but it was really just me until, you know, a year in until I hired my first employee. I think I probably just knowing that it was going to have pretty rapid growth, I probably would have hired that first person a little bit sooner. I started in about six months in, I hired some interns because I figured two college interns who were working 20-hour weeks would be like having a 40-hour a week employee. I was dead wrong on that one. <laughs> College interns just disappear every time there's midterms or finals. And I had a hard time delegating because I was pretty early on in my career. So yeah, I probably just knowing that things were going to go well and that the finances were going to be there to hire someone later on, I probably would have hired earlier and started just getting ahead, building up the team and getting a lot of excess you know, labor and stuff working. I don't know. That sounds really bad. But yeah, you would have started putting talent in place earlier to try to 
keep that growth curve going because after a while, you know, you're going to burn out, right? You've got a limited finite amount of resources and you're going to come to a point where you just can't handle it anymore. So getting ahead of that, I, that's a common that's a common answer amongst entrepreneurs. They wish they had went out and found good people sooner, right? They they, they I hear that quite often. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. All right, listen, so we're going to do two last questions here. We'll do them rapid fire and then we're going to wrap it up for today. What's your favorite growth tool or software other than LinkedIn? <laughs> Ooh, I have to say Calendly. And this is not a Calendly pitch. It's it's really anyone, any software where you can send someone a link to directly book to your calendar. But that has been amazing for me because the first two years that I, I was in business, I would have these issues where on a Friday, I would go and find all the emails of people who were who wanted to have a chat and I'd give them my availability. And then of course, inevitably two or three of them would email back and say, you know, we all want that same time. So when I got my subscription to Calendly, I started just sending people the link and they would book whatever was available. And there was never a double booking ever again. And I didn't have to you know, waste my time with those back and forth. So it seems stupid, but it saved me so much time and headache. Not stupid at all. I'm a big fan. I use Calendly. It probably saves me two to three to four hours every single week. As a matter of fact, I don't know what life would be like without it now. It would be miserable. So I totally agree with you. What's one book that you would recommend to my audience? You know, I'm not a big book reader. I have a hard time reading, but I love consuming audio content and podcasts. So podcast-wise, I've got three that I absolutely love just in different areas. One in the marketing arena is called the Social Media Marketing Podcast by Michael Stelzner. That one's just... Yep. For everything social media related, it's incredible. I also really like blockchain and cryptocurrency. And there's a podcast called The Bad Crypto Podcast. So I really enjoy that one. And there's also one called 99% Invisible that just, it teaches you stories about stuff that you never think about. And that's just a cool way to, to spend some of my mind cycles. Interesting. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'll definitely check out a couple of those. Social Media Examiner has been one that I've listened to for a long time with Michael Stelzner. So appreciate that. Listen, we're going to wrap it up for today. Let everybody know how they can reach out to you, learn more about B2Linked, right? It's B2Linked, right? That's correct. And then we'll wrap it up for today. Great. Well, if you want to contact me, if you go to B2Linked.com, the letter B, the number two, and then the word linked.com. If you fill out that form at the bottom of the page, you're not going to reach a salesman. You're not going to be put into a complex marketing automation workflow. You'll come directly to my email box and I don't sell. So feel free to reach out with anything. I'm also on Twitter a lot. If you check WilcoxAJ, the Twitter handle there, I respond to everything and I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today, AJ. Really, really appreciate it. And I have a feeling based upon our mutual love for LinkedIn that we'll be talking again real soon. Awesome, Dennis. So happy to be able to provide value to your audience. Thanks, AJ. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.